0: Part of the focus of our program is, is not to do things for people, but rather to be present with them. Um, and that real experience of accompaniment, that word that keeps coming up in solidarity. Um, you know, there are a lot of projects that are out there that are oriented towards service or giving a community with less privilege access to opportunity. Our hope and our focus for our program is actually that the people that we encounter actually become our teachers. Um, they become that presence of God that Kayla's talking about, and they become the holder of wisdom, the holder of truth, that we can learn from.
1: Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea
2: doesn't
0: get you stuck. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world?
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Gavin Cosgrave, your host, and this is a podcast episode talking all about the immersions program through the Ignatian Center at Santa Clara. I did an immersion myself in winter of my sophomore year, a local immersion to Oakland that I think I've mentioned in the past, but it was an awesome experience getting to learn from community organizations and serving some in the mornings at a community meal center. And as you'll hear, In this episode, immersions can do a lot to help students live out the Jesuit values of of education and service and connect with people on a human level. In this podcast, I'm speaking with three people. It's the largest episode we've done in that regard. Um, And they are first, Charles Mansour, the Immersions Director, who organizes all the opportunities and education for Immersion Trips. Next, Valerie Sarma, who is a Senior Program Director for Student Engagement and Special Projects. And Valerie has been with the Ignatian Center since 2006. I appreciated getting her perspective on some of the longer uh, changes that, that she's seen and just growth and evolution in the lives of of students and how these relatively short programs can impact uh, their whole lives. And then finally, Kayla Wells, who is also a program director for immersions and graduated a couple years ago from Santa Clara. And she has some incredible stories of how immersions affected her own uh, life trajectory. So in this conversation, we're going to touch on some of the specifics around immersions. What do students do? Uh, why does the Ignatian Center run the programs? And what's the, the deeper purpose and values that the programs can serve? And how are students' lives changed? Uh, what's, what, what are the ethical questions around going into another country to, to learn from people? Um, we touch on a wide variety of topics related to immersions. And it was awesome having uh, the perspectives of Charles, Valerie and Kayla uh, because they each had something really unique to contribute. If you want to learn more about immersion trips, you can go to scu.edu slash immersions and you can get all the information. They happen three times a year at the beginning of winter break and spring break and then at the beginning of summer. So it's a little too late for the winter ones. But if you're interested and you're a student, you there will be plenty of opportunities in spring break and summer coming up. So stay tuned. The Ignatian Center sends out information about those pretty frequently. All right, here's the conversation. Yeah, so to start out, could each of you introduce yourselves real quick?
0: Yeah, Charles Mansour. I'm the director of the Immersion Program, uh, and this is my fourth year here now at Santa Clara uh, in Immersions.
3: Hi, I'm Valerie Sarma. I'm the senior program director for student engagement and special projects at the Ignation Center, and I'm starting my 19th year here at Santa
1: Clara.
2: I'm Kayla Wells, I am a Super Broncos. I did my undergraduate uh, degree at Santa Clara and I've been working here for the past three years as the Program Director of Immersions.
1: Maybe, Valerie, if you want to start, what are immersion trips if a student didn't know about them mm-hmm.
3: well immersion trips give Santa Clara and the students the opportunity to travel in community to and spend time intensive time in a community that is struggling in some way with access to wealth power and privilege mm-hmm. and it gives us the opportunity to work with local organizations meet with community leaders to better understand the reality for that community and also come to know the assets of that community I sometimes think we think of places where we go on immersion as being places that are struggling in some way with. there are also places that provide wonderful opportunities for us to learn from as well. And I think in the process of immersion, students, um, our hope is that they come to understand and live into what it means to be humble. What does it mean to be compassionate? What does it mean to really accompany um, others in this experience? And that's really at the heart of what we hope students will gain from this experience.
1: Great, so maybe could could someone share a story um, of an immersion and what that was like and what impact that had on you or what you saw in the community you visited?
2: Sure, yeah. I'd love to talk about a couple of my immersion experiences. I think that each immersion that I've been on, and it's been a couple by now, uh, layers onto each other. And uh, one story in particular that I think about when I think about immersion is being in India um, and going to Mother Teresa's home for the dying and destitute. And upon initially walking in, seeing you know the children and the women and the men that had really been outcast from society and their communities and just the reality of that is pretty heavy and stepping into that as a student group and really kind of grappling with what does it mean to be displaced and outcast from your communities and how do these people find love and care in their lives and do they deserve that of course Um, and how can we maybe provide some of that in the next hour or two hours that we're spending with them on immersion. Um, and it became, you know, so much more than that as we sat together and struggled com- to communicate in Hindi and our limited uh, vocabulary. But just the connection that we were able to have beyond language um, was really important and impactful for all of us. I sat down with one woman and, you know, was asking her, you know, if I could sit with her and spend some time and without language and just looking in each other's eyes, um, I was really able to see her full humanity and her dignity and how awful it must be to have been left by her family and um, just really wanting to honor the fact that sitting there in front of me and I saw it so clearly more than I've ever seen it, uh, God sitting right in front of me. And it's some of these concepts that I had heard about before um, on my immersion to Ecuador. They talk about seeing the face of Christ and um, those we meet. And that was, you know, months later when it all came to fruition for me and really made sense. And I was able to sense that presence and that dignity and that uh, really that grace and that divine presence in the person in front of me. And we just shared that moment. And it really exemplifies to me how you can have really powerful moments beyond language, beyond um, anything that we expected um, in spaces that might at first feel uncomfortable, but really have divine grace within them as well.
0: Well, I think what Kayla's story points out, uh, Valerie hinted at this at the beginning, is part of the focus of our program is, is not to do things for people, but rather to be present. With them, Um, And that real experience of accompaniment, that word that keeps coming up in solidarity. Um, You know, there are a lot of projects that are out there that are oriented towards service or giving a community with less privileged access to opportunity, something that we have that they don't. And that's wonderful and fine um, and great. Um, Our hope and our focus for our program is actually that the people that we encounter actually become our teachers. Um, They become that presence of God that Kayla's talking about. And they become the holder of wisdom, the holder of truth that we can learn from. And it's harder to do that when we come from the place of... We are the privileged, we are the ones with advantages, we are the ones that are coming into your space to, to offer you something. And so that real, that real presence to the other is it's a really humbling experience for us. Um, and it's a real moment of transformation um, in, in relationship building, even if it's only for a short while, you know, a 30-minute conversation, uh, two minutes of eye contact, it's it's really transformational. Um, and the change is really um, long term, it's it's long impact for us. And so, uh, again, the hope is that, that we're focusing on that, that real moment with that person rather than us coming in and providing some service.
3: Thank you for sharing those beautiful stories. I think I see also the development, Kayla and Charles, that you've done with the program for getting students ready for this kind of experience of what it really means to connect with other people in their own suffering. And the formation that you've provided for students really invites them to think about where have I experienced struggle or pain or suffering in my own life? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a big piece of what it means to then be able to sit with other people and, um, in that space and to really be um, with people in that space of compassion.
0: Yeah, thank you. One, one of the things that we've talked about a lot, and we've used this word more commonly in, in the last couple months, is we want the immersion experience, and not just the 7, 10 days, 2 weeks that you're on immersion, but the whole process to be we are calling it an interruption um, a moment of self-reflection self-exploration relationship building in community with the folks that you're going on immersion with valerie mentioned there are usually about 10 students that go on immersion with you Um, it's a time for real community building um, and like i said real introspection self-reflection and really asking those hard questions of ourselves to say what has my life been that's led me to this po- this moment? Not just my privilege, not just the wonderful things in my life, but what have been the struggles and the tensions? Uh, my own experiences of, of marginalization. Um, who am I as a person, and who can I become through this process of accompaniment with the people on my immersion and then the communities that we're visiting? Um, and you know that's why the, the Monday preparation meetings are so critical because we don't want students just coming into these communities uninformed and sort of exploiting them as this moment of here we are to learn from you and then we leave and then it doesn't mean anything so we want it to be a holistic experience from the moment of the application process until years and years after Um, and of course we only have the privilege of accompanying students in the initial journey on immersion and, and a little bit after but the hope is that that transformation continues long after yeah yeah definitely because at Santa Clara, there's a lot of talk about
1: Jesuit values and uh, social justice, but um, in the day-to-day life of a student, it's easy to just be kind of stuck on campus, right? You have classes, you're, you're busy, you're involved in things, and it's easy for those to just be words, I feel like. So maybe emergence is one of the, one of the spaces where we can kind of live out those, those values in a way and get out of the, the Santa Clara bubble.
2: Absolutely. I think one of the ways that we like to think about immersions also is that it's an entryway to more and to discovering, you know, how can I be more engaged and how can I live out those Jesuit values and principles in my everyday life? And I definitely see so many students taking this as an entryway to continuing to integrate those values and figure out, you know, it might be hard on the day to day basis at Santa Clara, but there are avenues to being in the community and to staying connected to ourselves. Into our communities. And I think we have other programs in the Ignatian Center as well that really highlight that relationship with the community and engage prolonged engagement as well. And the Jean Donovan Fellowship is an opportunity for that as well for students who maybe discover a community they feel really connected to or a practice or a social justice issue that they're very interested in. They can go back with the Jean Donovan Fellow and explore that more for, you know, five to 10 weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, Gavin, you bring up a really good point um, that I think is worth mentioning is that it's really easy to compartmentalize experiences and say like, oh, that was my one time on immersion where I was the social justice person or the, you know, the self-reflective person or, you know, I'm on a scat project and I'm service oriented, but when I'm in class, I'm freaking out about the quarter system and all that needs to get done in my busy, hectic schedule or whatever clubs and or organizations that we're involved in. And our hope is that we're not just another thing students do toss onto their busy schedule. Our hope is that uh, the tools that people develop and the skills that they develop through the preparation process and the immersion itself and then the follow-up actually help students feel more integrated, more whole, um, and more really content with uh, the people that they're becoming and that they focus on how I become a better person. And that might mean giving up other commitments. That might mean pausing and and taking time for silence and reflection and taking time to have coffee with a friend and talk about things that We wouldn't normally find time to do or make the time to do. And so, uh, yeah, it it is really not just a thing that you do. It's hopefully a a toolkit that students can walk away with thinking, oh, I want to ask better questions. I want to think more about um, my major, what kind of career I want to go into, what kind of family I want to raise. There's really difficult questions to ask that get sort of pushed aside when we're really busy. Um, We really love the idea of immersions being, as Kayla said, that entry point, that starting point for continuing to examine those tougher questions in life.
3: One of our newer initiatives is the Ignatian Core, which I'm really excited about because it brings, uh, it gives students who've been involved in immersion with an Ruby placement, any of our center programs, right, which share a similar pedagogy, the space to come back and in community, be able to have some of the conversations that come up on immersion, right, really being able to think about issues that matter to them um, and making sense of how they can explore um, and continue to stay connected to kind of like the values and the ways of being that they felt in that immersion experience. So our hope is that with the core, we're going to offer a weekly examine. We'll have some opportunities for accompaniment through SCAP. We'll have, um, one to three gatherings a quarter where we invite kind of like a speaker, have a topic followed by small group reflection. This Tuesday, we're going to highlight the life of St. Ignatius and look at, you know, what is St. Ignatius's life telling us? How can we live out of that legacy? What does it mean for us? Um, And so our hope is that that's one of the spaces that offers students and and community because I really think in terms of um, living into that full integration, it's community that helps us to do that well. Mm
1: Yeah, yeah, and Charles, you brought up the idea that um, it's not so much like a service trip where you're coming in and serving a community, which might be what many students, maybe who grew up religious, are used to, right? So um, if that's if that's one side, and then the other side is a student who's either hesitant about uh, about either traveling somewhere else or is really questioning the the ethics of even us, you know, being a group and going into a Community and in poverty, or or something like that. There's probably a whole range of of students who aren't quite sure, like, what are you actually doing on the immersion when you go to these places, right? So,
0: do if any of you want to touch on that. I know they're all very different, but yeah, yeah. It's actually it's uh, it's probably the most important question is how do we justify the work that we're doing, uh, particularly when it involves folks that might be more vulnerable, um, or perceived as such. And so it's something that we think about constantly. How is this work not just exploitative? How is it not, um, selfish and in juxtaposition to that whole savior mentality, right? Like how do we, how do we hold both in tension with each other that we're not coming in to be the savior, but we're also not coming in just to exploit people. Um, and it's it's really challenging. And I'll, Maybe I'll, I'll share a story from one of the immersions that we did this summer to help articulate um, that, that real tension. And so when we were in Kenya and Tanzania, uh, there were many times where it felt like people sort of rolled out the red carpet for us um, and said, like, here they are, like the wealthy, the privileged from America that have given up their time uh, to be with us, these zoo animals, right? Um, we don't want it to be a tourism experience we talk about that often with our students but then inevitably on some of our experiences it does feel that way um and yet every single place that we went uh, the sincerity of the hospitality and the desire to interact with us to learn about us to ask us questions uh was so earnest um, and so transparent uh that we really sort of struggled with uh uh, you know, that question of, is, is what we're doing not just exploitative? And so in one of our reflections, one of the evenings, we do reflections every night while we're in immersion. Um, you know, the students brought that up and said, like, how is this not inappropriate? How is this not just post-colonialism or, or, or some form of, of, of new superiority? Um, and one of the gentlemen that was in the group said why are we making up the minds of the people themselves? Have we ever heard any of these groups say anything, but we want you to be here. Um, this is meaningful for us. Uh, we love building relationships with you. And there was a real struggle on that for us because we doubted their earnestness and their honesty in those assessments. And, um, and so that point aside, you know, another experience in Ecuador, um, when we asked one of the moms in the communities uh, that question at the end of our conversation with her, which was so heavy, she talked about her experience of being a woman, um, in a machismo culture, um, in the struggle of of being incredibly poor, we asked her, what do you want us to do with this experience? When we go home, um, what can we do? And she said, be better people, um, serve your community better, go to elderly care facilities and take care of your own elderly. Um, I want you to care more about your world that you live in, um, and so again, that real desire um, for for us to be moved by by their stories, by their lives, in a way that makes us more whole um, and more um, people who who honor human dignity. Um, and so, the assessment that I hear when we're visiting the community is that, we're, is that what we're doing is is wonderful, um, even if there is still risk in it. Uh, we need to acknowledge that.
2: Mm-hmm. Another thing I heard in your question, too, is just, what do you do on immersion? (laughs) Um, I think that's a big question for students, and our website can only tell you so much about what we're doing on the day-to-day. I would say that there are... Many different components of each immersion, and it really depends where you're going and which location. But there is always an educational component, and that usually comes through meeting with organizations, NGOs, nonprofits, maybe even a for-profit, and like figuring out how are people responding to the needs of the community, and really looking to community members for these community-based solutions, ideas on how to combat poverty and justice. Uh, so definitely the education component is so important in meeting with organizations that are doing the hard work um, and then there's also just in that accompaniment and interaction piece of sometimes doing home stays sometimes just going and meeting and having an informal conversation maybe in San Francisco you find yourself um, f- having a meal with someone um, at st Anthony's and just sitting down and having a conversation about you know like how are you today what have you been up to and just really having those informal conversations can be some of the highlights for students because they just get to meet people where they're at um, mm-hmm. and just learn a little bit about um or share about each other. Um, and then there's also, like I said, homestays, but then sometimes there is service pieces that are integrated into our immersions. And so not to say we don't do any service, but some of our locations, especially the more um, California-based ones, do have components of you know serving at a shelter for the unhoused and cooking a meal for them. But we always hope to do those experiences that then lead to accompaniment. So after we serve a meal, sitting down with people there and having a meal together so that it Leads to those moments of sharing and authenticity and just dialogue. Um, so there are small service components, but it's really about the education and encounter piece that is really important to the immersion.
0: Yeah, and Father Greg Boyle talks about how service is, is the doorway, and it's 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 a good doorway. It's a good entry point, but the banquet itself is is a company. Mm-hmm. It, it's being with people. And so sometimes we enter through that doorway of service, and that's wonderful. Um, but if we stay there, uh, we really miss that point of mutuality. Um, one other thing that I'll quickly mention is your question around the risk um, also points out the importance of us identifying good organizations um, and organizations that are really deeply committed to the community so while our experience there is maybe only a week a year or two weeks of the year uh, we want to find organizations that know the communities intimately and the communities build trust with them so that the agenda is not set by the organization itself or by us but rather what's meaningful and what's rich for the people with whom we're visiting um, and so in our East Africa program for example Mary Knoll, um, uh, was the organization we worked with and most of the people that we interact interacted with uh, there um, had been marinal volunteers for 30 plus years. Um, so they're deeply entrenched in the community and to see their interactions and our, our guide, he lives now in uh, New York uh, but he was uh, he's a Marino, uh priest and he was in East Africa for 30 plus years and so traveling around East Africa and visiting the communities with him was so meaningful because we, we got to see his love for and his knowledge of and his relationship with the communities and likewise their appreciation so that when people interacted with us we weren't just Santa Clara University we were an extension of his ministry we were an extension of his relationship and so we were treated as such and that really points to the real importance of finding those those organizations that aren't just taking us on a tour uh, but rather showing us um, their world their relationships their communities and so it's really critical that we find those organizations and that's not always easy to do I know there's immersions that are both local in
1: California and, uh, and global, right? So if you're, if you're a student, like well, one question is, you know, should I do an immersion? But then I assume there's some pretty big differences between traveling to, to Africa or India and then like San Jose, right? So um, yeah, do you want to maybe touch on just like the, the differences there between the local and more global uh, trips?
3: Well, the answer to the first part of your question, Gavin, is yes, all students
1: should do an immersion. Um,
3: and I think when we look back, when I talk with alum who've been out from Santa Clara anywhere from like two to 20 years, right, one of the things mm-hmm. that they go back to is that this experience was one of the best experiences mm-hmm. for them at Santa Clara. And I think when we look at some of our like top student leaders, our val- valedictorians have often had at least one experience of immersion or an intersection with the Ignatian Center's work. So I think mm-hmm. that's another like very indicative of the power. these experiences Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of that question of where should you go and where should you start I would invite students to think about, like, what are they interested in? Read the descriptions of the offerings. I mean, some of it is based on, like, when are you available to go? We have offerings over winter break, spring break, summer. We've started a plunge program to be able to offer communities of students at Santa Clara an opportunity to have an experience connected with the immersion for one day or two days here locally in San Jose. Um, one of the things that's been really exciting is that we've been able to support students, regardless of their ability to pay for these experiences, through generous financial aid. And Charles and Kayla can talk a little bit more about that. But I think that's one of the things that's really exciting because students don't need to make these decisions solely based on finances.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to ask just about the, the first part of what you said there, but I guess being able to see students go through the program and then alumni um, for, um, for so long, like what have you kind of observed either in, you know, students that went on immersion a long time ago and then came through it or, or ways that the program has changed and evolved? Or I, I feel like it would just be cool to see kind of the, the long-term impact that these short, mm-hmm. relatively short trips can have on our life.
3: Well, I think one of the things is that they're very powerful, right? And other students have done like a week long or now we're offering almost three week experiences over the summer or the Donovan Fellowship, which I like to think of as an individualized immersion, where a student works five to seven to 10 weeks over the summer with a community based organization, really of their choosing so they can focus on an issue or be in a community that really matters to them. And one of the things I've heard reflected back is that that experience really was pivotal for me in terms of next um decision-making. So I think of Kristen LaBascia, who was actually on ASG. I think she was the ASG president when she was here. She's now a local lawyer in the community doing immigration work. And as a Donovan fellow, she was in El Salvador. Um, and we brought her back to speak to our Donovan fellows a few years ago. She talked about that experience really defining for her. This work really matters to me and eventually led her to go to law school and to do that part-time so that she, she knew she wanted to serve in the community in a way that um, she could support folks whose ability to pay was less than um, might be typical kind of like in other areas of law. And so she was very intentional with that decision. But I think we've seen that with a lot of different folks. Hmm.
0: Um, Well, you might also share about your own experience on immersion and how that shaped you since you've had yeah. many I mean I really
3: look back to my work involved in this as like my own undergrad experience mm-hmm. at Loyola University in Chicago and I you know saw a flyer that said there's a South Texas Mexico trip and I thought oh Wow, okay, I'll apply for it. And that really shifted for me. I, and so much of it was like the mentorship of the leaders, which I think about like Charles and Kayla and our colleague Anna being in that role of how important that is for students to have folks that kind of can help guide them along that experience and can be companions as they continue to come back to Santa Clara, continually sort of like reflecting and be able to check in and help um, with that mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was so defining for me. I then got involved in cooking at a women's shelter in Chicago mm-hmm. Um, eventually led me to go on to do graduate work in higher education and, mm-hmm. and to come to Santa Clara.
0: Yeah, I would say there's no direct like, line that people follow. They, they don't go on immersion and just become educators or social workers or lawyers, mm-hmm. right? I think it, um, the goal and the impact is that it just helps you become more conscious um, around issues in the world. Um, And that might translate directly to what you study. It might translate directly to what kind of job you do. um, But there are also so many different ways that immersions impact students. um, And so you might still continue on becoming an accountant or uh, a doctor or whatever that, um, you know, that career is. um, And that's wonderful. And that's good. Um, The hope is that. There are questions that you ask in a way that's a little bit different because of these experiences. And we really look at at, at immersions as planting seeds, Um, you know, and it might be years later that that something continues to percolate uh, or questions continue to come up for you. Similarly to to Valerie, I had my first immersion experience when I was in college. I spent a summer in Cairo um, working with Sudanese refugees. And and really that experience, uh, it wasn't a pleasant one. Um, I didn't love it in the traditional sense of really enjoying an experience. It made me wrestle with so many big questions around identity. Um, you know, I'm Middle Eastern, and so being in a Middle Eastern country um, and seeing people that looked like me in abject poverty while I was raised in Southern California in relative privilege, um, of, of dealing with issues of race, because we were mostly working with Sudanese refugees in Cairo um, who were black by skin, and so it, it, struggling with that tension point of the lack of hospitality for them and uh, the community that they were refugees. Um, and, then, and then the question of, of faith and religion, and I was with a group of people who were not Catholic and my Catholic tradition was really important to me. Um, And so me having to ask difficult questions of myself, why do I believe the things that I believe? Um, And and what more can I learn from the people around me? And those questions still come up for me today. Um, You know, I, I would attribute... Uh, so much of uh, the person I've become, um, not directly to that experience, but from the fruit that came from that experience that sort of wound up taking me in many different directions. And so I know that I'm really grateful for those experiences. And when I talk to other undergraduate exper- students um, long after uh, their immersions, they're continuing to ask similar questions. Uh, and their answers might look totally different from mine. Uh, but it's, it's wonderful to see that the impact isn't just the day after the immersion, the week after, even the year after. Yeah.
3: I think one of the unique opportunities that immersion invites you to come and be present with your entire self, right? Your spiritual self, parts of yourself that you maybe are ashamed of or are sensitive to your strengths. But all of that is invited and is really essential in terms of developing Um, who you are in the context of that experience. And I don't think there are lots of other places as we think about like places even in our campus, which values that holistic education, where that is kind of honored and essential to the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's one of the other kind of dimensions that unfolds in this. And maybe that's one of the reasons it's so compelling for students, Mm -hmm. because it really, um, we need to really be in touch with ourselves and it's a way we offer kind of practices right often rooted in the Ignatian tradition that invites students to sort of like access those dimensions of their selves and their lives as well I'm really excited for father O'Brien's leadership too um, and introductions he's done about who he is. He always goes back to his community-based work. Um, he worked with the Kino Border Initiative for a while and in other communities. And I think for our community, for students, faculty, and staff to hear that um, and it is important because it asks us all to think about, like, what are the ways that I'm engaged, sort of like the reality of my local community and global community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for that. I think that's one of the pieces, too, that we've benefited from as a program is the leadership at Santa Clara, right? Father Locatelli was really invested these experiences. Father Ang, um, at, at the center-wide leadership, Father Mick McCarthy, right, right, was really invested to these as well as Father Dory and Llewellyn. So I think that's been one of the things that has really kind of championed our work um, and enabled it, enabled it for it to grow
1: yeah, and then Kayla, you came, you came back, right? You're now working here. So what would, you, um, what would you say to a student who is maybe on the fence about going on an immersion and, and kind of how have going on immersions impacted your trajectory in a way?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'll go right to our tagline of just go. Um, It is maybe a little bit of a scary request to step outside your comfort zone and to see another part of the world that might make you a little uncomfortable or even be exciting. Both of those just can be a little nerve-wracking when you're going with 10 to 12 strangers to this really impactful experience. Um, So I would say just go. I truly believe that immersions meet you wherever you're at so it doesn't matter whether you're going locally or globally um, you're going to receive what you need in that moment because that's just where you are and the community is open to that and people are there to hold and receive you and I think that the biggest piece for me coming into Immersions was and being at Santa Clara was I came to Santa Clara not being religious at all and not even knowing who the Jesuits really were Um, and so All throughout my four years, I went on immersion my senior year, kind of really wondering, like, what is this Ignatian piece? What is this Jesuit community all about? Um, I've heard it talked about a lot, which you mentioned. But it wasn't until I went on the Ignatian Center immersion trips, because I had been on other global experiences um, and... Going on an Ignation Center immersion really asked me to reflect on myself—not just um, what was I doing and seeing, but what did it mean for me—and this really spiritual, reflective piece that they asked us to do and to step into. And it was really uncomfortable at first, but it has shifted the way that I look at the world, and it's been a journey. But just really seeing what spirituality can mean in my life and having a chance to explore that has been one of the biggest changes for me is just kind of cracking that wide open and seeing another side of myself that I didn't know was there or hadn't had a chance to explore. Um, And I find myself in this work and continuing to learn things about myself every single day. And every time I go on an immersion, Um, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I'm still in like the immersion space, and I'm not really sure what the the future holds. And I think that that is again scary, just like going on immersion, but also really beautiful because there's so many opportunities and there's so many places that I feel connected. And every single day gives me the opportunity with surrounded by these wonderful people to keep discerning that and discovering what that means to me. And I think that that's a lot like immersion, like having this space where people hold you and help you discover what's important to you. So. I don't know exactly how this is going to have, you know, you know, 10 years out from now, 20 years out, what it's going to look like, but I have no doubt that it was a pivotal part of my life and it continues to be.
0: Yeah. Any final thoughts as we wrap up here? I would just say to your question of the, the local global piece, they're all so dynamic and so different. Um, you know, some people might think like, ah, oh, I want like the big adventure of going abroad, but walking through the Tenderloin in San Francisco um, is as powerful and as moving and as striking as being in a community in Guayaquil, Ecuador. It's different, certainly, uh, but to really have to wrestle with the issues that are in our own backyard and to face those and confront them um, directly and then to know Oh, <laughs> That you can do something directly about that because it's your community, um, is a different kind of power and um, a different kind of self-empowerment. Um, and so for those who are considering either option of the, you know, the international uh, or, or the, the local, um, they're both so meaningful. And I would encourage students to, to consider both as options. Ideally, you'd get two experiences. You'd get one of the local community and one of the, you know, the more faraway ones or the international ones um, to really enrich your experience of the global community, Um, but oftentimes the immersion experience even here in San Jose or in Oakland or San Francisco forces us to reconcile with our own reality um, that is easy to dismiss. And so I would say that, you know, they they tend to be less popular in terms of applications, um, but in terms of outcome, they're they're equally popular for students. Our evaluations are as strong for our local and domestic um, immersions as they are for the international ones.
2: I would also add to... that one thing that i love about immersions is it allows you space to like reflect on how we engage with the world and there's so many like needs and calls that are happening right now, especially around immigration, um, recently brought to my attention, more so sex trafficking in the Bay Area, the unhoused. Um, there's just so many issues that are calling our attention and it can be really hard and overwhelming. And I think that this is really a space to figure out how do I want to respond to those things that are calling me in the world um, and having support to do that. And so knowing that um, there are so many opportunities to stay engaged after. Afterwards and that immersions are this catalyst and this entryway to discerning what that is in your
3: life. There's such a power in us being able to see something firsthand. And when I think about immersion experiences, that's one of the ways in which they invite us in, right? And it's also about the stories, right? Really on coming to understand our own story, the story of our kind of companions and the stories of the communities. Um, and at the end of that, we're holding those stories, right? We, we move forward in the world holding all of that, right? And so our hope is that it connects us all, um, that, that kind of sense of Mother Teresa talks about we belong to each other, right? That we move forward really living into what that means.
1: So, yeah, Valerie, do you want to touch on the sure. Jean Donovan? I want to
3: talk about who Jean Donovan was. She was a lay woman who was living and working in El Salvador during the war. And she was really accompanying people, accompanying a lot of folks who were refugees or were facing oppression because of the war. Um, and her work became so important to, who, to her life. You know, she'd been um, living a pretty privileged life in the U.S. She was working, like, in accounting and... Um, but had this desire of more, um, and through kind of like some guidance from her faith community, she ended up going to El Salvador. I don't even know that she really knew like where El Salvador was, um, but once she moved there and started living there, she became very much connected to the community there, and it gave her an incredible um, purpose. Um, tragically she was killed in El Salvador by the Salvadoran military Um, but there's so many parallels I I feel like for her and our students Um, she was just a little bit older than our students um, she had a desire for more. And I think we see that with our students. They're looking for something else that gives their life meaning and purpose. Um, and which is one of the reasons that we created the Donovan Fellowship. Initially, it was based locally to give students some funding to do community-based work with organizations that often didn't have the kind of budget lines to provide stipends. Um, and so the Donovan Fellowship was created to offer students the space of um, doing summer work um, that could be compensated. And that we have a... a, a formation process in the spring quarter, um, to help students really prepare for that experience. And now we have placements where students go internationally or locally.
1: Yeah. Well, Kayla, Valerie, and Charles, thanks so much for joining me for this episode. And yeah, where, where could students go to find more information about immersions?
2: scu.edu slash immersions or slash (laughs) JDF. Yeah, there's lots of information on the website, lots of good videos and firsthand testimonies from students that have participated. And also just ask your friends. The likelihood that one of them has been on immersion or engaged with the Ignatian Center immersion, uh, Ignatian Center programs is pretty high. So just ask around and hearing it from a friend and a peer can often be more impactful than just reading it online. So ask around, someone
0: will tell you a story if you have any questions for us you can just email immersions at scu.edu we'll try to make it easy for you
1: <laughs> all right and then kayla had to head out but i finished up the episode by asking my signature questions to charles and valerie a new class of students just came in a couple weeks ago um, and they're going through the the struggles and excitement of uh of their first year so yeah what advice would you give to a first year student whether or not it's Connected to immersions.
0: I know this is sort of antithetical to getting people to sign up for immersion, but I would say learn the skill of saying no. Um, there's nothing worse than overcommitting, spreading yourself too thin, and not finding valuable experiences. The university has a wealth of opportunities for students more than most places uh, that I have been to. And I find that students are constantly overcommitted, overwhelmed, and stressed out and not enjoying these four years that are supposed to be so meaningful and special. And in that, um, Another piece of advice that I would say is find time for yourself um, and find time for meaningful personal silence, reflection, etc., and then relationship building with community outside of your commitment. So beyond the clubs and the organizations, beyond the classes and the study groups, find time to just hang out with people um, where you just get to be yourself and have fun with folks. Uh, I find with Santa Clara students, and this is true across the board at universities today, that they're so high impacted by the busyness of school um, that there are two options at the end of the busy day. One is to veg out and Netflix and binge, and the other is to go party. And those are all fine things. Uh, But they don't lead to really um, that that really self-generative growth. And so beyond that, find time for silence, find time for meaningful connections with other people and say no.
3: Yeah, my advice would be get to know your faculty members Mm -hmm. and especially if you're kind of like shy or afraid of doing that it's even more important to like put yourself out there have a question go see them during office hours it's like a lot easier to ask for help if you've kind of established a relationship with someone the quarter is quick and so if you get behind or something is challenging like seek out folks that can help you with that there's tutoring resources Mm -hmm. Um, the other advice that I have is make a friend (laughs) right and so much of that comes from like what Charles said about hanging out but like you need one person that you feel like you can talk to and that can listen to you. Um, and the other piece is like be mindful of your screen time. Right? I'm finding this challenging as an adult, um, but be mindful of how that's like affecting you, and to try to do it with greater intention
1: hmm. Yeah. And, and second, I know you've both been all over the world, mm-hmm. but are there any specific places you've traveled that have really impacted you personally or or just that you so enjoyed your experience yeah. there?
3: So at the beginning of September, I actually went with a group of faculty to Nogales, Mexico, and Arizona, and that was an incredible experience. We served meals and accompanied folks that were at Kino Border Initiatives, Comador. So these are folks mostly coming up from southern Mexico, fleeing violence, some folks from Central America, and actually other parts of the world. And they're coming to Nogales with the hope of applying for asylum and they're also receiving recently deported folks. It was an incredibly powerful experience. Um, And the staff at Kino is really doing an incredible job of trying to offer humanitarian support. Um, And I would love to go back there um, and just spend some time um, accompanying folks there.
0: Yeah, no, I've been really incredibly privileged to have the travel experiences that I've had. Um, I would say that the ones that have been most meaningful have been the ones where I wasn't just a tourist. And so my my typical recommendation to students is travel as much as you can. You learn so much about the world uh, when you see it, um, when you get to experience different cultures from different places. But... Beyond just traveling there's a way to travel yeah. um, that makes those experiences more meaningful. There's an intentionality that you can bring um, beyond just being a typical tourist and so um, I would say find the spaces where you can really enter into communities um, and where you can really feel present um, whether that's just uh, you know hiking in nature where you get to really really feel the awesomeness uh, of the place that you're in and some of my most meaningful experiences that were when I was in Iceland for a week um, camping with my friends um, and just seeing the rawness of the natural world and appreciating just its its incredible beauty uh, but beyond that in terms of immersion experiences I would say this last one to Kenya and Tanzania being really incredibly welcomed um, and that happens on all of our immersions but it felt especially noticeable um, how how warm people were and their real focus on community um, and the value that brings to, to each person's lives. They live in community, the the, the famous uh, South African and and generally African phrase of Ubuntu, I am because we are, um, felt really real um, in East Africa, and it felt real in Ecuador and in El Salvador and in many of the places I've been on immersion. So um, getting to know people uh, while you're traveling, I think, makes the experience more rich, more real um, and less exploitative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If
1: you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you want to say?
0: Mm. Uh, I would say maybe we are more than what you assume we are. Um, And really... The the value of diving into understanding what experiences have brought people um, to become the people they are. I think the more you know a person and the more you know their history, uh, the more compassion and empathy you can have to to the reasons they believe what they believe, the reasons they live their lives as they do. Um, And I I would say across the political spectrum, probably uh, the biggest mistake that we are making is that we assume way too much about each person we don't ask the critical questions of reflection um, that are required to honor each person um, and so really saying like we are more our stories make up more than than the simple fact of what you see in front of you
3: I would say like let's live out of love and every day we need to like kind of hold ourselves to that and it's hard mm-hmm. but like it doesn't it doesn't happen okay try again
1: right yeah you just keep trying and finally what does an ideal saturday look like for you when you're not somewhere else in the world or or working here <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I love brunch. Uh, <laughs> any Saturday you can start with brunch uh, is the best of all Saturdays. Uh, but beyond that, I would say uh, just having a time to be outside, outdoors, either on a hike or, or walking with the dogs um, and just being in community with other people. So some some time for like quiet and self, uh, self-reflection, self but more important or, or equally important being with people that I love and care about um, and enjoying just being outdoors and the company of others mm-hmm. um, and feeling relaxed and whole. Mm-hmm. I think if I can create those spaces where I can just feel centered and present um, and not bound by all of the many commitments that exist in my life, that's something I do on
3: I love going to our farmer's market with
0: my family. I have a two-year-old
3: and a seven-year-old and um, my husband, Alan, and I find that the farmer's market, right, there's this incredible produce. Um, my daughters know the different vendors at the farmer's market. Um, we see friends. There's music. Um, it's really a space for community. Um, and then sort of whatever else happens that day happens. But we've sort of had that like walk in the morning and mm-hmm. that kind of intentional family time.
1: Yeah, great. Well, thanks again for joining me for the conversation. Thanks, yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify so that you don't miss an episode. Check out the website at VoicesOfSantaClara.com for some shortened transcripts. And you can like the Facebook page and follow on Twitter. I'll see you
0: next time.